Hello, and welcome to the Neff Canyon Ward podcast. My name is Tyler Slade, and I'm excited to bring you all the cool people of our neighborhood and ward. The goal of this podcast is for all of us to get to know each other better, to create unity through sharing our experiences with others in the gospel. Okay, welcome everybody. We are here at the Farron House, and um, we've got Tom with me, Gary with me. We're with uh, uh, Ted, and are we going with Di or Diane? Which one do you prefer? Dealer's choice. Dealer's choice. Mm-hmm. I, um, I mean, everybody's using the Di. I mean, most people call me Di. All right. If, if you know me, it seems I'm Di. Too informal, though, but if right? I introduce myself as Di, it's awkward because yeah. then they're like Di. Diane. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I walked into this house, and Tom knows a little bit about this house. He used to home teach here, and yeah. it's a little bit different now. With Leah Felt for years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and it looked like the Ferrans knocked down every wall they could yeah. to make it as open as possible. One, two, three, four. I, I think it. five walls in this room this, we knocked in this down. this one room. And it's awesome. We bought, we bought the house thinking we were going to do like hardly anything to it. Yeah. And then we had an architect come by because we thought, well, it would be nice if we could move this one wall when you first walk in, and that's how it starts. And then the and then this, uh, this this engineer came in and he said he was like he got up in the attic and he looked at a few things and he said you guys have hit the remodel lottery, you could tear down every house in this wall. It's every, a trust system. Every wall in this and house. And so really? every every wall in this house. Um, that's really cool. Because none of them are load bearing. That's yeah. usually not the case. So all of a sudden we went yeah. we went ham with the sledgehammer. Yeah. Yeah. Did you actually help with that? Oh yeah, we did it all. Oh, yeah. I think I was nine months pregnant. We, <laughs> yeah, we, actually, we actually invited, I still some feel somewhat guilty about doing this, but we invited all of our friends and family over for like a work day <laughs> and just like got free labor out of people. But we had to get like at least stuff torn out before the baby came. See, the um, young man would have loved this. And we say, had, what a young men's activity. I know. Bring your own should have done we, that, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was actually really fun. And we had like, 18 people show up is really nice of a ton of people to come help. It's fun. So tell us really quick, this is the second home they fixed up in the Cove, in this ward. Third. 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 Where was the first? Our journey has been long (laughs) to get to this home. So this is the fifth house we've fixed up. But but in Um, the ward. And second in the ward, third in the Cove. Oh. So we bought a house. So our first house up here was where the Riddles live on Mount Olympus Way. Okay, remember that one. Roseanne. Roseanne and Bill Hunt. You probably oh, remember yeah. them. We bought yeah, their house. Yeah. yeah, I remember when you did that. Yeah. yeah. And so we, I grew up coming up here a lot because I am the unofficial fourth child of Mike and Linda Dunn. Well, Mike tells me I'm his second favorite daughter. Um, wait a minute, we got to get into this. What does this mean? I mean, so. Just super tight. Yeah, so my parents grew up, my mom and Linda grew up across the street from each other. Okay. And like, if you saw them, they look like twins and they are, they've always just been really close. So I grew up like going on their family trips and Emmy is my age, their daughter. So they're just kind of like my adopted family. We love them. So we would come up like for dinner at their house and then, uh, how did, Oh, I was out of town. We had just bought a house and remodeled the whole thing like a year before. And I was out of town one weekend and Ted called me and he was like, I think I'm going to buy a house. (laughs) And 
yeah, this house had come up for sale and but we had come to the it was really wild. We had come to the Duns a few times for like dinners or whatever, and I had noticed the house next door or a couple doors down from them, the the Hunts, yeah. and it's a four car garage. And I'm like a big four car garage person, no, which is which is which. Man, it's four car garage. Yeah. and I don't have <laughs> one. Although we have more have, than two I cars, I don't have one now. But I had a tennis court and a four car garage, and I thought it's the perfect house. And I made a joke a couple of times that we were going to buy that house one yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I saw it go up for sale on like a Thursday, and then I came here with my dad. I, I went through it with my dad on a Saturday, and she was out of town, and we put it under contract that mm-hmm. night. So she hadn't even seen it. And, and, and I loved our house that we were in. It yeah. Was, yeah, that was that was weird. Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Time out. In a good way. <laughs> I mean, now looking back, yes. You bought a house without. There were some wife. tears involved. <laughs> we could get out. We didn't, but we could, in theory we could have. Well, right yeah. down she from the Duns. Yeah. 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 yeah, I know. But, they once, were in their but once she got home from out of town and went through it, she was like. Mostly immediately excited. Mostly. <laughs> no, there, there was a little. I feel there's an asteroid. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly excited. No. It was, yeah, because you like the, the other one so much. Yeah. 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 We, we had put like all the work. a lot of work into that one. But then we did it again. And we loved it then too. We loved it. <laughs> but then we, there were two things on our mind. One was, um, uh, in theory, we were going to move a little farther south and buy a lot that my parents owned from them and build there. And we thought, we'll do that and also I at the time I hadn't started a company but I wanted to and I was thinking like it'd be better if we downsize for a little bit so those two things kind of drove us and then I actually met Evan Riddle in Elders Quorum and he was and I sat next to him and I was like hey who are you and he was like I'm actually just a visitor we're trying to buy a house in the in the neighborhood we love it around here and I was like you want to buy my house? Um, <laughs> I actually didn't say that then. I was like, interesting. But in my mind, I was like, you might have asked me first. <laughs> That's I don't you know. know. I may ask Dalia this one. <laughs> um, but I really did think like, oh, this is interesting. And they had had a house under contract right across the street from us, but the, the sellers like canceled the contract on them. So he was bummed and that's why he was kind of in the ward. So I followed up with him. I, I, I sent a, once we, once we like decided we were going to sell that house, I was like, well, this would be really convenient. We don't have to list it. No realtor, no process, whatever. Yeah. Maybe I'll try and track that guy down. <clears throat> so I knew he had that house under contract, reached out to that realtor, got a hold of Evan, asked him, he came and saw it. Um, and then we just did a, a, a real estate purchase contract sitting in our kitchen table together. Sweet. So, yeah, it was great. Wow. They were awesome. And we sold it. But it was actually somewhat shortly thereafter. It took a minute, but like we realized how much we loved it up here. Like, how beautiful it is, the people. Yeah, that was just, long ago, oh, once you're here. So yeah. I think we, I think we first I bought it in 2015, and we moved out like a year and a half later. Yeah, so, yeah. We, so we didn't that live there that right, long. Because I remember when I first moved in, you guys were here, mm-hmm. and then you were gone. Um, yeah. So it was fairly abrupt and kind of random, but driven by those two main things. And then, like, so we we thought about building on that lot. It was a little more complex and messed up had all these easements and boring lawn things but we also decided how much we liked it up here like we just kind of missed how pretty it was and i don't know it's like, hard to the beat. charm the neighborhood has it's hard to how beat. convenient Lots it is of people you get the beaners people are amazing <laughs> okay. you know I had to get back to my cousin here yeah, yeah. <laughs> bring bring the roots back mm-hmm. so after a couple of years we bought a house on gilead way um we bought Paul James' old house. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you know that house? Yeah. Um, KSL, huh? Mm-hmm. 
The voice of the Cougars. Yeah. What a legend he was. Yeah. What a legend. Um, he had a strange house. Yeah. He had this huge atrium in the back full of plants that had been there for 30 years, like uh-huh. dug into the ground. So like like 15-foot trees inside his home. Mm-hmm. And we really kept wild. them. We, we loved re- them. We re- but, but we kept them. And it was cool. Yeah. But we, um, we, we spent like six months remodeling it, moved in. And like two weeks later, this went up for sale. Mm-hmm. And she was out of town. She was out of town. Stop leaving town. And there was an open house, and I was like, oh, I, like, I thought this was cool. So I came through it. I did not act on it because. You learned your lesson. Well, I just, yeah, and, and like. Because we moved in. There just were a, hand, house there just were a handful of reasons that I, I didn't even take it seriously. I just walked through. And then it didn't sell. She came back, and they did an open house a couple weeks later. And I had told her about, like, it's got the tunnel to the mm-hmm. underground and stuff. So I, I just told her about it. She was like, oh, let's go walk through it. And then she, was, this time, was the one that was like, maybe we should. No, I think it. I said, I wish we bought that house instead of the one we bought. Yeah. Oh, that's. And then we started skiing. I can translate that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I, can, I, can, I can speak that language. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yada 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 we ended up buying this house it was a very stressful summer we had to sell that one like while this one was under contract and kind of craziness yeah. but it was yeah. really lucky timing yeah. it's like yeah, right before timing. everything yeah. exploded yeah. and so we so yeah so we so we fixed up five houses in like five years now maybe like seven years and we had moved like six times before that so i think as a child you'd moved a lot and Dude, as you were a, used to that, I right? didn't. I didn't move a lot as a child because uh, I'm, I'm the youngest of all the oh, kids. Okay, but my parents moved like twelve times in yeah. eleven years or something mm-hmm. like that. So dad's a builder. It, it's in my DNA, I yeah. guess. <laughs> well, you have that vision where you can see. Things. A lot of people wouldn't buy this because they didn't know what you could do to it. But yeah. You well, guys have that good vision. Well, sure, beautiful. Sure, turned yeah. out nice. How big is the lot? Uh, it's like one acre. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. Yeah. And we learned that Leah felt loved animals. Mm-hmm. And so she would put like salt licks out in the back. She'd so feed all, all the animals. All the deer like the deer. love our yard. And unfortunately, she didn't believe in mouse traps either. So we've also no, been <laughs> housemates with lots and lots of animals that we've had to slowly, you know, figure out over I don't time. Know they're not welcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we we think we're on top of we think we're on top of everything. All right. but, well, Diane, why don't you tell us uh, where where you're from, born and raised? Give us your your, your story. Uh, I'm from Mill Creek, not okay. too far. I went to Olympus High School. Titan, huh? I'm a Titan, yep. Um, yeah, I had just had a great childhood there. I, I lived there since I was born. Okay. Um, went to Olympus. I played soccer there. She's really good. Yeah, I played with Callie for a minute. Yeah. Known the Beaners forever. She was first team all state. Uh, no, she's humble, yeah. but she's no, no, no. Good. no that was stay. a long time ago. Yeah. Um, after high school, I went to DC and I was a camp counselor at an adventure camp back there, which was really fun. And then I went to BYU and did a study abroad in Africa. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, that was amazing. Which which, um, Namibia. Huh. Mm. Yeah. Been yeah, it's Namibia. Namibia. Is it next to Botswana. It's right uh, northwest, like to the north of South Africa. Yeah, on the west side. What did you like about that? 
Um, so it was kind of crazy. We did an anthropology study and we lived in the bush, like in tents for eight weeks with a tribe called the Himba. So I studied gender roles within their tribe and we just had translators and we'd just go out and talk to people all day and just learn their culture. And it was really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, so you basically amazing... lived like they lived. They yeah. food. And... I mean, we brought we we all packed over peanut butter and jelly. So yeah. every day we'd have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah. And then they gave us a goat to eat mm. for a while. We ate. A, we had to kill and eat a goat. Oh yeah, I like this story. And <laughs> no, no electricity, right? Oh yeah, no ro- no water, no electricity. I didn't shower. What did you do for mm. security for the? Um, we're in the middle of nowhere. And I mean, like all of our shoes got stolen, but like, they're not dangerous. Oh, animals. Um, I I wasn't too worried about it. Maybe I should have been. Some of the old men there had like huge scars and had fought lions and it was, but I think that the lions are all mostly in the reserves now. What did you, did you see any fun animals? We went on safari and we saw all of the animals. Yeah. Yeah. But nothing... Close to Nothing in now. our camp, no. No. So that would so, wake you up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be scary. Well, um, I'm sure plenty of people say that about us living amongst the mountain lions here, right? Yeah. In your yeah. backyard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No different, right? Yeah. Um, a little bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then uh, you come back from there, and uh, what did you study at BYU on anthropology? Yeah, my minor was anthropology, and my major was public health. Okay. Yeah. And we got married while where, we were at BYU. Uh, Olympus High School. Oh, well, you were at Olympus too. Oh, it started Olympus. I was There's 15 years old when we met. If, <laughs> high yeah. school sweethearts? High school sweethearts. Wow. All right. There's a rule that if you attend Olympus, you have to marry someone who also attended Olympus. Yeah, Titans are tough. Did you know any of the Miller girls? Miller. I, I have a so. daughter in law, Andrea. There's some beaters. There, right? Yeah, Jake Beaner and uh, Becky Beaner's kids. Yeah. Right, yeah. Beaner's wieners. Do you ever have those? No. Okay. You're probably just a little bit older than Becky's kids. Yeah, I was. And hot dogs every every Friday after the game. So you meet, I mean, obviously you meet at at Olympus. And did you get a date in high school? Just kind of go dances or? We, I mean, all of the above. Yeah. Yeah, we dated. We were a formal pair. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a sophomore and he was a senior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. But it saved me a lot of money later dating in college. I got to just skip that whole experience. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I was I was seventeen and she was fifteen when we met. Started dating. Uh, I went to BYU for a year. Uh, we still kind of dated, and then I went on a mission. She wrote me. She dated while I was gone, and then but then we got married like ten months after I got back. Wow! Yeah. Where'd you go? I went to Croatia. Croatia. Yeah. Tell us about that. Croatia is amazing. Um, so, I think one thing like it's part of the former Yugoslavia, and in the '90s they had a you know huge like homeland war against Serbia, and right. it's kind of messy. So I think um, one of the first areas I served in is called Zadar, and there's still like bullet holes and, you know, bombs, you know, grenade kind of bomb chunks taken out of the roads and stuff. So it was, it was very eye-opening because people my, my age, like in the 90s when I was growing up playing sports and screwing around going to school in a safe place, like they were uh, often like in a 
like a like a bunker cellar of an apartment building, like waiting for bombs and grenades and different things to like pass through their city. So it was really you know it was really eye opening that way. And then Croatia in general was like you know under kind of communist influence for so long, even though it's a very Catholic country by kind of tradition and right, on paper. you know on paper. But um, but in reality, people don't really like religion. They don't talk about religion all that much. So it was a very challenging mission from a conversion perspective, but, uh, but I loved it. It was, it was beautiful. an amazing experience. It's absolutely beautiful. I'd never heard, when I opened my mission call, I was like, I have no idea where Croatia was is. Was it a new mission? My yeah. first thought, it was, it, um, it was called the, um, the Slovenia-Croatia mission at the time. Now it's called the Adriatic North mission. So when I was there, it was, it was all of the former Yugoslavia, but only Slovenia, Croatia, and Serbia were open for service. And then there was like Montenegro, Macedonia, Kosovo, um, and a handful of countries that weren't open, Bosnia. Um, and while I was there, Kosovo declared their independence. And uh, America's always been seen as kind of an ally. And so Serbia didn't really like that. So they started kind of picking on the missionaries there. So they actually shut down Serbia, um, reassigned all the missionaries to a different place, um, but then reopened Serbia about a, about a year later. Um, so those were exciting times. Nowadays, though, Bosnia is open for service, and they've split the they've split the missions in two. So huh. things continuing to grow slowly, but slowly but surely. So you got married ten months after you got back. Mm-hmm. Come back, go to BYU. Come back, go to BYU. Get married. What are you studying at BYU? <clears throat> oh man, I studied everything and nothing. Um, <laughs> when I got back, I, I think I just always assumed I would go into business of some sort, but. When I was like fresh off my mission, I really, I really enjoyed learning Croatian. Um, I actually got a job. I, I translated the Doctrine and Covenants into Croatian for the church. Wow. Um, so I, I did that for a couple of years when I got back. And uh, so I really like, I really liked learning languages. And I was kind of in that like missionary mode where, you know, you maybe don't think about actually earning a living. You just think about fulfilling your life's purpose. And I was really excited about like languages. So I thought I was going to study Middle Eastern, like Middle Eastern studies for a minute was my major. And then I was yeah, going to do math. More majors than Because I like, thought that was like this noble challenge to like master all this stuff. Um, but I played lacrosse at BYU. And in the end, I mostly just majored in lacrosse. And then I chose psychology, which was the fastest way to graduate. Um, so too, and I got out. Major lacrosse player. Weren't you all American? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these kids mm-hmm. are going to be amazing athletes. athletes. You would think um, that. We, that's what we always no? thought. But what, if you see our generation. children. <laughs> What's the um, He's incredibly intelligent. <laughs> he reads he a lot. Science. He reads. He, <laughs> he's a little chess player. Um, <laughs> just he's, getting, he's getting really good he's at sports too. But before, cool. like, until the age of like six, not one ounce of athleticism. <laughs> is demonstrated in our children. Kills him. Um, Kills him. Skips a It really doesn't. It more just surprises That's me. like all like, people told us, like, when we got married, your kids are going to be so athletic. They're going to be so yeah. good at stuff. They still may be. And, um, Maybe. They're, they're turning a corner. So, kids, if you ever listen to this, <laughs> oh, we love listen. you. This is not an they're answer. Listen. We just want you to know that until you, until you were about six, you were the most uncoordinated kids <laughs> I've ever seen. So, As they get a scholarship to play at BYU yeah. athletics, something they're going to be pulling this podcast yeah, so. hey, mom, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I think, uh, you are wrong. I think, uh, I think Rocky will be like a, he'll be like a coach or a, you know, he'll be, he'll make the GM of the jazz one day. I mean, so he's, with lacrosse, is there a professional 
part of that if you continue There's, to Yeah, so, B, so BYU, BYU, plays, BYU didn't play in the NCAA. Um, BYU played in a league called the MCLA, hmm. which has like 200 teams in it. A lot of the, a lot of the like major football schools are in the MCLA because Title IX is, yeah, you know, can, can, can kind of hold back lacrosse. So um, very competitive league. I will not say we are like the best of the best. Like if you compare it to like your, your, your Dukes and your you Virginia. You talked to your dad, you realize the best player well, in the world. Well, he likes to, he likes biased. to exaggerate. Um, <laughs> so I, I think I could have, I think I could have made a professional team. Um, but like it, it, you don't make money. Like it's a, yeah. like literally even if you're, if you're like one of the best players in the world, like the best, maybe you can make enough money, you know, being sponsored. For the most part, it's people do it enough. on the weekends, and they they fly in and they play, and you know, so it's it's the game is advancing, and it's fun, and, and since then, the University of Utah has, has um, built a NCAA Division One program, which is like a really big deal for the growth of lacrosse. So I love the sport; it was a huge part of my life. Um, it was how I got into BYU. Um, mm-hmm. I got I got rejected on the academics, but then they they slide you under <laughs> the door. Um, on the, on athletic, yeah, the kind of a lower bar. On athletic, uh, or a higher bar, Tyler. Which one is it? I think it's a higher bar. Which, yeah, thank you. Because, yeah. That's what I've always thought. Um, so this is something Rock will be able to do that you can't. Uh, get in on his own? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. On a chess scholarship. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so, um, so you end up getting a degree... In what? You decided uh, psychology. psychology. Because that was the quickest way to Out. get it. Yep. To check that box. Yep. Okay, so then let's talk about your profession. What what did you do to figure out to grow up to support this wonderful family? Yeah. Or are you still I haven't decided that. that. I haven't decided <laughs> that the answer to that question yet. But no, I um, I started no, that's that's not <laughs> she that she she gets all the credit for that. Uh, I, um, when I was in college, I saw a flyer on the wall and we got married young, needed money, needed a job. So, um, I saw a flyer that was like, how would you like to work with Harvard and Yale and Apple and Microsoft? And so I just saw that flyer and I thought sounds better than being like an intramural sports ref or, you know, whatever other job I was considering at the time. So I went and interviewed at a company called Qualtrics. Um, we all kind of know Qualtrics yeah, now. The yeah. owner of Qualtrics bought the Jazz, and they've become a household name. But, but back this, then, nobody knew. Back then, not not a lot of people knew. Um, so I got a job there, working in sales. And um, tech tech has become a much more major part of Utah's economy now. But at the time, there there weren't a lot of startups. There were, there have been a few success stories. Um, but I just, I kind of stumbled into this world, like you could wear shorts to work, a t-shirt, and everything seemed so fun and casual, and you worked with all these like other like hungry, sharp, you know, young people, um, and they gave you free ice cream and cereal and all these perks that at the time just seemed extremely lavish, and in retrospect, it's like, oh, you gave us like, nothing. you know, you gave us like nothing, um, but it, it was just like this really awesome experience. Uh, yeah, it was great. But and, it worked. Uh, yeah, I mean, they sold for $8 billion, yeah. so it worked. Um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of the Wild West. It was, you know, it was just a sales job, and I sold to universities. I sold, you know, this survey software. And it took me, like, a solid 30 days of working there and getting trained to finally accept that's all we did. It was, like, it enables you to create surveys. Um, but yeah, for me... That's what Qualtrics is. That's it. It's just software to create surveys. Um, but the, I think the light bulb that went off for me eventually at some point was software is this really magical thing that... If you build it once, you can just replicate it over and over and over again. You don't have to wait on supply chain and cars to you know ship your way or whatever. Um, 
And so, and, and, and then if you sell it in this big market, like you can build this really great, you know, interesting company. So that was kind of this inspiration for me. And I think, I think my mind clicked at that time that I mostly planned or wanted to work, you know, in that industry. So I worked there for a little bit. Um, we graduated. I, I maybe should have taken Qualtrics more seriously as a long-term option. Um, but I, it, was, it, just, it just seemed like this, you know, college yeah. job and I got some good experience and good resume. Well, I mean, I don't blame you because on, on the surface, when you look at what Qualtrics is, it's like, well, it just seemed too simple mm-hmm. to be worth what it is. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, it kind of felt like just this at the time, just kind of felt like this, like call center or something. Yeah, but, yeah. um, in, you know, like you look, you look back on it and tons and tons of people have just made an excellent living. They made a name for themselves, not just the founders of Qualtrics, but just, you know, tons of people that I worked with that stayed there for the next, you know, 10 years and built like their whole lives and careers, you know, doing that. So, so I just, for whatever reason, hadn't really considered it as like a long-term thing. I just thought it was awesome that it was great you know, experience. Like I kind of had like a big boy job while I was in college. Um, and then graduated, we moved to Chicago for a summer. I did an internship at a venture capital firm there. Um, uh, I, I liked that. I got a job in an investment bank. So I worked for like a, like a mergers and acquisitions sell side advisory. Um, so you got all the experience. So I was, yeah, I worked, I only worked there for like nine months and I, I realized I didn't like that. Um, but even that was for technology companies. So our client was technology companies. So, um, I think what clicked for me was now that I had a little bit more experience, I looked back on that job I had at Qualtrics and I loved it. And I think I identified with like, that's what I wanted to do. So long story short, I started a career in like professional sales, essentially selling software, went to Instructure, um, all your kids probably use Canvas, so I sold Canvas to K through 12 school districts. Uh, launched a couple other products there. I left there to another startup. I was the VP of sales there, and then I left that company and started my own um, about five years ago. What was yours do? Uh, it is healthcare billing software. So it's a very niche. Uh, my posterity will have no interest in it, um, but I think it's really cool. We are, you know, we're trying to solve problems in healthcare. Like we all know, healthcare is expensive and confusing and did you, you know, run not, it or not did very you transparent? So I, um, I have two co, I have two co-founders. Uh, one of I'm, I'm more the like startup growth junkie, and in a lot of ways, one. that's what I do, I guess, in my career. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and I, you know, I raise money and try and keep the lights on, kind of thing. Um, and then I have a technical co-founder, so he he wrote the initial code. We now have 80 people that work at the company, so we have 35 engineers and oh, like 40 product people and. 15 salespeople and a handful of kind of revenue cycle management is kind of the industry that we play in. So again, it's all very niche healthcare stuff, but that's what I do right now. That's fantastic. I mean, obviously that's, there's a big need for that. And so you basically are, you're selling to the, to who exactly? So we, yeah, so we sell to um, private practice basically. So whether you're like a one doc orthopedic group or a a 200 doc, uh, we don't do dentists. So kind of true medical, like, Specialty medicine, surgery, surgical environments, um, and now we're trying to work. We're, we're working on trying to sell it in the hospitals too. So. Fantastic. So, where's your office? Um, office. Most of our companies remote, but we do have an office um, right next door to the Hale Center Theater in Sandy. Okay. So. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And that's been. How, when did you start that? Uh, five years ago. Okay, five years. You so, said that. Yeah. That's really cool. We're not dead yet. It's growing. Still growing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my son-in-law no, uh, heard about it. Cool. Yeah, yeah. you you spoken down there. Uh, 
what do they call it? The, the NBA program? No, what okay. do they call the uh, Silicon Slopes? Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, my whole, like I said, my whole career I've ended up basically being part of Utah's kind of SaaS and tech startup community, so it's so, it's a really fun community. So you can bring, like, an NFL team when it all goes like Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that, but I, I'm an avid jazz supporter, so I'll leave it at that. I'm wearing a Delta Center uh, shirt. And it's right back. back. It's back. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So, Diane, you, uh, full-time mom, or do you have any... Business off uh, work that you're doing. Um, I work a little bit. My mom has an interior design firm, so I work with her and do projects. I do all of her billing and taxes and ordering, and then have a few of my own projects. So awesome! Yeah, it's fun. So shift gears creative. just a little bit, Diane. Why don't we hear a little bit about your uh, your spiritual journey, your conversion of, uh, into the gospel? You like when you know how you received your testimony and what that looks like in your life. I'm still on my spiritual journey. We all. <laughs> this is, so that is a hard question. Take us to the place you are now. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I grew up, my parents were faithful. My, As far as like a Mormon Utah family, we were kind of unconventional. I have zero cousins and none of my extended family is active in the church. Mm-hmm. But like my parents were great. I had great church leaders, good friends, and I always had a really good experience going to church. And um, my father died when I was 14. Mm-hmm. So that was probably like the biggest rock in my life. And so I think probably my first experience was that and having to work through that and really rely on um, the Lord and the support and love. And so I think my the root of my testimony is the plan of salvation and eternal families. And I love that. Sorry. <laughs> um, he was such a great guy. So, yeah, he was a good yeah. man. Yeah. And he kind of saw it coming too, right? He, yeah. He had, can- so. he had cancer. Yeah. So he, yeah, about a year. Hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, I'd say that's the biggest thing. Um, I met Ted like a few months after that. And I feel like that was a really good pivot and he had great friends and was a really good influence and example and support to me during that time. Um, and then I think my testimony grew while we wrote weekly on his mission. Like I felt a lot of pressure to like, did you write weekly? Yeah, pretty much weekly. She wrote me like a, legitimate letter yeah like a physical letter mm-hmm. every single and, I, every and it was week. a lot of pressure because he's like i was in high school and college and he was immersed in a mission so i felt a lot of pressure to like study and really have some depth to my letters so, so she's trying to impress me it's <laughs> really trying to impress no, that's him where, that's yeah. where we have a girl continue to they forget you pretty quick i absolutely love that yeah, yeah so I think that was a big part of it. And being at BYU, you have no choice but to take these really hard religion classes, which I think I got the worst grades in my life in. They're really hard. Um, Yeah, and so, and then we got married, and we just always kind of knew we 
had those values and wanted to raise a family with those values and, um, you know, yeah. it ebbs yeah. and flows and doing our best, but yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. That's about for you, Ted. Um, so I, you know, I, uh, similarly grew up in really great family. Um, I always enjoyed church, had amazing leaders, especially now that like in theory, I'm supposed to be an adult and be a leader. I realized just how good my leaders were and like how selfless and how like what amazing activities and adventures. So obviously they, I think that builds a good, you know, foundation and I guess inclination towards um, just appreciating what the church you know, did for me growing up. Um, I had really great friends. Um, not all of them were, you know, not all of them were LDS, um, but like on, on the whole, I think everyone uh, in our friend group like really bought into living by the commandments as best we, you know, could. And obviously nobody's perfect, but um, it was just a, a really amazing supportive friend group. Um, and I remember one, <clears throat> I remember one time, so I started to get pretty good at lacrosse when I was in high school and I was getting recruited by like a, tons of really small schools. Cause that's, that's really where a lot of, you know, college lacrosse gets played is like, you know, Swarthmore college kind of, you know, sure. back East kind of NCAA D2, D3. Um, so I, I was starting to get really excited about like maybe going and playing somewhere like that. And I, rem I remember my sister one time, like she was asking me about like these colleges and all this stuff. And I remember her being like, you're not going to go on a mission, are you? And it was like one of these, you know, moments of where you confront something that I hadn't necessarily been consciously thinking or scheming or planning, but hearing it like that was a somewhat abrupt, you know, call to, to like, what am I, what am Are I you thinking? the oldest boy? I'm the youngest. You're the youngest. Okay. You mm -hmm. get two older boys. Youngest of five. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, I think like there were, there were moments like that and I certainly wasn't the only one though that I think as I, you know, I was getting older in high school started to make me think <coughs> our church isn't just a social like obligation that I have to do because my parents make me go, you know, all the time and, and I, and I like going, but is something I need to be more consciously thinking about and, and more proactive about. Um, and then I also, I never, I, like, I loved, I grew up being a big University of Utah fan. I love to make fun of BYU, like everybody else up here. And I uh, never once crossed my mind to go there. But I think as I got closer and closer to graduating, um, I, I was pretty decided that I was going to go on a mission. But I thought, so there's no point in, like, you know, moving back east and getting ingrained somewhere only to then leave. So I thought, like, meanwhile, the BYU coach was recruiting me pretty heavily. So um, uh, I was like, I'll just go there for a year. It'll be fun. We'll play there. They have a good program. And then I'll transfer, you know, I'll endure that one year. I'll go on a mission. And then I'll just transfer, you know, when I get home. That was kind of my, that was kind of my thinking. And then it took like three days to just absolutely love, you know, the BYU atmosphere. It was really fun to meet tons and tons of people that came from all over the um, country, to some extent the world, but, you know, like, especially on the lacrosse team, really great influences, lots of, you know, return missionaries and people that it was just, it was just like an, an amazing kind of culture, both, both in the lacrosse program, but also, um, you know, starting to get my, you know, behind kicked by all these religion classes and actually read the Book of Mormon for the first time and some of that stuff. So, um, but then, but then of course, I think going on a mission was, was the most impactful, yeah. you know, testimony builder. Um, like I, I think I've always been like a, whatever I'm, whatever I'm doing, I focus on it a lot type of person. So 
all growing up, I love sports or I love friends and all that stuff. And I focused on that most. And at BYU, I think, I, you know, still kind of lacrosse and school to the extent that I had to. Um, but then all of a sudden when like all the fun stuff, quote unquote, fun stuff was ripped away from you and you're in the MTC, I actually had a really easy time. Just like that was my new, you know, sport um, and kind of obsession was like, well, you know how to work hard, reading, you know, so, you know yeah. reading the scriptures. And I was, I'm really competitive. So sometimes it's a bad thing, but I was really, I was like really competitive about learning Croatian and I just like really wanted to like know it amazingly well. So I, I just got, wait a minute, you were that elder in the MTC on the basketball court that hmm. really got after it. <laughs> competitive is an understatement yeah. for this yeah. person. <laughs> His friends call him competited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like it, all of a sudden I just like, I was in the MTC. I loved the MTC. A lot of people, it's like this rude awakening and I just like loved everything about it. I loved, I loved the food. I loved like, I loved, I did love the sport, like the one hour of sports that you got every day. <laughs> Um, but I loved like all of a sudden reading, preach my gospel and the scriptures. And, and so I went from like, no, we said you could embellish. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I know, I says no food. one ever. Yeah, no, I did. I, lo- I, did I like, loved the whole thing. I'm with you. Yeah, you it liked was, it? it was just, <laughs> I loved it. Um, they must have tra- changed it. So then, then I, you know, got to, got to Croatia and you start having, you know, really powerful experiences teaching the gospel or trying to teach the gospel. And, and most of the mission in Croatia is stand on a street corner for literally eight hours and just try and talk to people. It was brutal. Like when I think about it, I could not go back and do that again. And that's, I'm a fairly extroverted person. I could not do what I did. But at the time it was like very easy to be super inspired. And it was, you know, this thing that I was just obsessed with. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously I look back on, on my mission as like one of the key foundations of, of, of a real testimony. And I think feeling the spirit and caring about the atonement and, um, and actually, like learning a little bit more what it, you know, like what it's all about. Um, but then came home, BYU. I think it was reinforced that we got married in the Draper Temple. Um, uh, I think another like when we when we right before we moved up up, up to this neighborhood the first time, um, I was the young men's president in our ward back when there was a young men's president, and that was like the first time I had to like really serve in a lot of ways. And, and, uh, and it was like, it was where I started to feel very inadequate, um, relative to all these other leaders that I had seen in my life and and still observe. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's been a continual process trying to not be selfish and, uh, you know, try and, try and, uh, serve like you guys and many other examples in, you know, in this ward to, you know, continue building, a strong testimony. Book. So as we have like uh, the youth, especially young men, young women, listening to this, um, what what would you tell them about you know if they're deciding on whether a mission's for them or not? Like, here's your chance to. What's your pitch to them? My my pitch. I mean, as a, I have two pitches. At a at a minimum, if even if you if you cared, if you didn't care at all about the gospel, you didn't care about the true point of a mission. A mission is like this amazing coming of age experience. Um, but that's obviously not the, the real point of it. You know, I think the, the, the greater, the greater point is like building a really strong testimony. And I don't think you'd do that ever as well. Um, the most effective way I think to do that is like to be put on the spot and all of a sudden have to teach people. Um, cause I think you, all of a sudden, you, you all of a sudden start examining your own beliefs a lot more, and it's, it's hard to 
it's hard to say something that isn't natural to you or that you don't actually feel or know. Um, and so you'll grow in ways that you like just impossibly cannot, you know, without, without that experience. And so, um, I think like at a minimum it will advance your life and, and at a maximum it will advance, I think your life and like the eternal life that we're always trying to keep, you know, in yeah. perspective. Um, but I would encourage you to start preparing earlier than the MTC, which is like a little bit, yeah. I think when I was actually starting to truly, you know, take, but take, you don't the, have take the gospel seriously. But yeah, I yeah. recommend it. Yeah. I'm going to connect one more dot okay. because it came out earlier. Did you know at the time that your mission was going to have such an impact on Diane, your future wife? Because she said what she did is she wanted to make sure she wrote letters to you that were thoughtful, she studied, and she, she was more engaged yeah. in the gospel because of your mission. And, you know, you probably don't realize at that time, but sure. that well, was, part of her conversion story was that. Yeah. And she wasn't on the mission. <laughs> in, in certain ways, I don't know that I've ever really thought of, I don't know that I actually thought about that ever until right now. I've never really heard her say that. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, it's a very powerful, right. yeah. And, it, and it's not only was it, you know, impactful for our relationship, but I think it is a good example of like the impact you have um, that is much bigger than just like your mission. Um, that you'll never and, understand. And, and, and my mission honestly was not full of much conversion um, during it. Yeah. Like, but a lot of people that I taught were converted years after, you know, and, and like Croatia is not maybe, you know, quite like, you know, Brazil or something in the spirit of people jumping into the water to be baptized and make that huge life change. But it was impactful to see people who, you know, I, I taught, um, and, and in some cases, I was like the 50th missionary to teach them. They'd been kind of in the in the process of investigating the church for like literally eight years. Sure. And, and for some reason, something changed at some point. And all of a sudden, they wanted to be baptized. And they wanted to like, they actually cared and believed. And they got that testimony. And it literally took almost a decade for several people that I know that got baptized since. So I, I guess also coming back to, you know, the question about like prompting the youth there's like this very, very big impact and you can't see, you can't see, you can't always see exactly the, the effect you're having on your, the, the, all of this is having on yourself or people around you, but it has a massive effect. That's kind of a ripple, you know, that I think keeps reverberating in your life. I, I, yeah. I mean, I found that to be true and it's been 30 years for me since I, and I still am able to connect dots and figure out blessings that came from my mission that I had no idea. And that's still happening 30 years later. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of people can say that. Yeah. Well, what do you guys do for fun? I know you just came from backcountry skiing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we ski, hike, play sports, just adventure with our kids. Outdoors. We travel a lot. We recently got a home in Montana that we spend summers there now, which is really fun. That is beautiful. Where um, in Montana? Um, by Flathead Lake, up in Flathead County, kind of by Glacier National Park. Um, so we bought it with like some of our best friends, one of my best friends since like seventh grade, um, and then married a girl that is, you know, is one of Di's best friends now. Like 
we uh, we bought it with them. So it's been a fun adventure. To well, it's nice you can work out of there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it provides some. The internet provides a lot of flexibility. Yeah. <laughs> you go up there a lot in the summer, then. Um, it's been a, it's a new tradition, but last year we were there for about five weeks, so it was fun. At a time, or do you guys space it out? We were, we were there for like a, a full month, and then we went. I guess we were there for like six weeks. We were there for a full month, and then went back to two separate weeks. That's fun. Yeah. So is it close to the lake then? It's right on a lake. Right on. Um, not on Flathead, but it's a, a different lake called Little Bitter Root Lake. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but we love it especially because our, our kids just, they go out at 9 a.m. and they start catching Magical. frogs and lifting up rocks and trying to skip rocks into the lake and jumping off the docks. And, and, yeah, totally. yeah. and then they're still doing the same thing at 5 p.m. You know, it's just like, yeah. it's a place, there's like, there's no traffic. There's no, there's no real, you know, aside from our three-year-old, like we make wear a life jacket, but there's, there's no real <laughs> danger. You know, like it's just such a mellow, quiet, no one's around Except environment. Except for bears. <laughs> Um, we had a bear encounter that was terrifying <laughs> last year. <laughs> like literally on the deck with Di and... It was this far from me and Solly. Uh, oh, it was my. really scary. A black bear? A black bear, yeah. But it was, I swear, the size of this table. It was <laughs> so... Yeah, it was, luckily it got so started. What do you do at that point? Well, Solly was coming... Mama bear came out. Yeah. He was like, Solomon! And then the bear just took off. <laughs> Solly was like coming up the steps and couldn't see the bear, so he kept walking, and I was like, stop, stop. I was like, Solly, stop. No, she didn't do that. She and was like, Solomon, stop! Like, she just, it was, we it have the whole thing on video. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the bear stood up, and then he took off the other direction. It was really oh, cool. Oh, when that bear stood up, that's... You scared was, the bear away. Was, that's a yes. soiled yeah, animal. Yeah, it was. <laughs> You're the first one on the podcast that's done that. Yeah. <laughs> you and Mike got it. Mike got I didn't even get a scratch. Yeah, I mean, this is easy. Yeah, it's like, Mike, you should have just avoided all of that. <laughs> mama bear. Yeah. The real mama bear. Exactly. Oh, that is so awesome. Wow. I am yeah, so glad we cool. found that because now there are going to be people in the ward wanting to hear more about this bear. Yeah. I could like you start a, a circuit, story. a motivational <laughs> yeah. speech. Yeah, I'll, I'll like save little Solly from a big yeah. bear. No. Well, I tell you what, it's been so That's fun great, to, yeah. to listen. Do you guys have any more questions for him, Tom? Or? Well, I was just wondering how you're enjoying being a mother. I love being a mother. I have these boys, and they're so fun. I I think the energy in our home is so great and I love them and it's very humbling and I feel like I'm trying to stay afloat and survive but they teach me so much and it's just it's just so fulfilling so I'm I love being a mother wouldn't have it any other way and love that. yeah love that well well we're glad you're back in the ward yeah Guys, had a lot. Thank you. And for what it's worth, we are here to stay. Hope you're here we to have, stay. We have no. We are. This is a recording. We we, we are here to stay. Oh boy. Yes. We yeah we uh, even if we wanted to move, we have no energy <laughs> to move yeah. ever again. Like yeah. We we liked the whole. Your backyard is the mountain. We liked we liked the house flipping thing back when we didn't have kids, and then as we slowly added kids. You realize there's like zero time. We used to do it like nights and weekends, and it was kind of just like fun. We'd work on stuff together. And just so you know, you don't get more energy as you get older. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is why we have no intent, to, yeah. no intent to take on new projects. True that. 
Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish up asking a question. Uh, uh, we'll we'll get to it, and and uh, we'll start with Diana. Diana, in a hundred years from now, long after we're gone, and your posterity, great 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 granddaughters, listen to this, and she's enjoyed, you know, and now you got a chance to tell her about Ted. What would you want her and all your posterity to know? Um. <laughs> Ted is Ted really attacks life first of all I should say that his name is Edward so for family history's sake it's probably very confusing but Ted and Edward are the same person mm, that's good um, <laughs> competitive Edward exactly, exactly. Um, Ted he kind of talked about this but he really attacks life he finds a passion and he does not rest until he reaches that goal or milestone that he wants to reach. I've seen it in lacrosse and um, on his mission and in his career and as a father, he's the same way. Um, and that's, I think, a rare quality and a, an amazing one. He's also a dreamer. He, at least once a day, he'll come up and say, hear me out, or <laughs> I was thinking, and I, I am always just really excited to hear what his crazy scheming is now, and I'm very practical, so I don't have those moments, but I love supporting him, and he then makes these dreams come into reality because he's got a lot of grit and hard work, and he makes it happen, so... I feel like that's a good quality. I feel like about one percent of them happen, but well, yeah. some of them. Well, <laughs> but the ones that do, they're fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that means three a year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because there are a lot of dreams. Um, Ted is a very happy and optimistic person. He he just has like a contagious energy where he makes friends everywhere he goes. Everyone loves him. He, um, he, I think he genuinely just enjoys every aspect of life. He, um, he likes the good stuff, the bad stuff. He's just like, bring it on. He's just happy to have, you know, be alive and <laughs> it's great. Um, and I would say... Okay, you got to stop. I don't know if I can... <laughs> I'll say one more thing that he truly, like, he loves his people. So, and he lets us know every day. He's, he loves our kids, and he makes sure he tells them and me all the time. And oh. it's, yeah. I love so, that. it's great. Thank you. Edward, your turn. Try to talk to Did she, she leave anything else? <laughs> that stuff is awesome. pretty good. I could keep going. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. This is what you talk about yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the things I love about me are. Uh, uh, oh, where, we can just where end, do, where we can just I, end the podcast. Where do I? Don't. Not happening. This this is this is cheating. It was Di's birthday like a week ago, and I recently wrote her my my tr my tribute. So I feel like I have lots of bullet points handy. Most but, of that was roasting me. That was <laughs> yeah, so. That's probably, that's probably true. Um, so I. I mean, number one, when I first when I first met Di, I would say I was a bit of a hopeless romantic growing up. Um, I was very small for my age. For yeah, I'm still not a huge man, but um, I always had a crush on lots of girls and and 
none of them ever liked me back. And if they, if they ever kind of did occasionally, then that was great. But I spent like six years of my life kind of like, like, like chasing after this one girl. And then she finally started to like me. And then like the next week I saw die and it was like that other girl just never existed. Um, and it was the, it was the weirdest. It really was weird. Like it wasn't just like a, you know, it wasn't just like a, she was beautiful and I was 17. That was probably part of it. But that, I think there was just something different and like special about die and getting to know die from kind of the minute we met, like she just seemed very different. Um, and someone that I, just like wanted to get to know and be with and felt comfortable with and felt like I could be myself um, with. And we just like, we just had a very like uh, comfortable um, like presence, you know, with each other. And I think that's, that's certainly like one of the biggest things that I think any posterity should know is that that's not just me. I think anyone in Dai's life feels <clears throat> like they get all of Dai's, presence and attention and like gets everything that she has and like you know she really 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 values that um like that friendship and that that relationship that you have with her um even to the tune we always kind of joke that like perfect strangers sometimes will open up to die about like wildly personal things that they probably shouldn't just be telling someone they you know met at some event or at a dinner or something but i think she's just like such a good listener she's very calming um she, she has no ego and just like loves to like listen to you and kind of trying to empathize with you and what you're with and what you're going through. Um, so that's one, that's one huge quality that I love about Dai. Um, another thing about Dai is that she is an extremely hard worker and she's really, really strong, like physically very strong <laughs> and she hates it when I bring this up, but she is like Jack. She's, she, she is so, so she can, she can, she can whoop me. Yeah. But we, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, like, like fixing up these five houses, like one out of the five, we hired a, a fair amount of the workout and the other four out of the five, I, I just, I think I took this for granted, but she was basically like the general contractor, the demolition, you know, arm, the like, design arm she just like gets stuff done um and the older i get and the more exposed to life i get the more i realize that's just really rare for anyone to just have so much confidence and and like wherewithal to just get stuff done and it's not just about fixing up houses but anything with our kids um eddie our youngest has had some like healthcare complications and the way die like navigates this really gnarly crazy, confusing, and intimidating healthcare system, which in theory my company helps solve, but we're not doing a good enough job yet because it's still a mess. Um, and she's just, you know, she's like cut through so many, you know, appointments and hoops and approvals and, and so many things. And like, that's just a, you know, one example of like, if Di puts her mind to something, like it will, it will get done. Mm -hmm. um, and she, she gave just me- mama bear. <laughs> mama bear does come out. But she, she gave me credit for setting my mind to something, but I'm actually probably better at the dreaming thing. And then I have a little bit of ADD and I don't follow up. And she is <laughs> like, true. she is, she is, she is the follow up. Um, and in, in, in every, in every aspect of her life. Um, and I think one thing I love about Dai is that, uh, in certain ways, I feel like I am the only person that will ever know like a big part of her, the way that I know her, um, because she's pretty private. I think you guys have done a good job getting her to open up on this, uh, up on this podcast, um, and and a little bit more reserved, and doesn't have to be 
you know, loud and obnoxious in a crowd like I do. But like when it's just us and I think it's that part of that special relationship that we have, it's like she is like hilarious and uh, quirky and interesting and thinks very deeply about life. Um, and I uh, like I know that people really close to you will know that. Um, but I think it's a really special trait that you have that like it, it can be um, there's like a. I don't know. There's a, there's a special relationship that you have with people that you get really close to. Thanks. Nice. <laughs> anyway, this those are a few things that come to mind. Right? I'll tell you what, this has been a treat. I've uh, learned so much. Thank you. And I, I agree. I think we've got Diane to open up a little bit. And thank you for doing Diane. And, and like I said before, you know, if you're listening to this now you, and, and you get a call from us and it's your turn, you need to take your turn. It's so not that bad. It's not that bad. I was stressed all day about it. It's okay. <laughs> all week about it. <laughs> and now it's over and it's done. Bobby didn't tell me before the last two days. Yeah. <laughs> we we learned our lesson. Yeah. yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Beautiful. you guys. Appreciate it.